Oof. Welcome to this week's episode of Free Circle Freedoms. I'm Ed Waters, the host, and this week we dive back into our readings of Visualized American Government, 1964 edition. The chapter we've been reading from covers parties and politics. This week's episode, we cover the independent voter. The independent voter is one of the most important features of our political system. In my opinion, it is today's most important issue. We need a lot more independent voters. Let's not waste any time and get right into this week's episode of the independent voter. The independent voter. In this survey of parties, we must not lose sight of the fact that in every generation, there have been large numbers of Americans who did not consider themselves bound closely to any one party. How else are the extremely wide swings in presidential elections during the last 30 to 35 years to be explained? The election of 1916, in which Wilson, the Democrat, defeated Hughes, the Republican, was very close. But during the 1920s, Harding, Coolidge, and Hoover were swept into office by huge Republican majorities. Then, in the 1930s, the Democratic standard bearer, F.D. Roosevelt, gained and kept the presidency by victories of landslide proportions. After the election of 1936, the Republican political fortunes were at such a low point that some observers seriously questioned whether the party could ever recover. But only 10 years later, the Republicans gained control of both houses of Congress and were given a better-than-even chance of winning the presidency in 1948. There are evidently many millions of voters who are independent, in the sense that they are prepared to vote for either of the two major parties in any given election, depending on their option of candidates or the party platforms. That is what Visualized American Government, 1964 edition, has to say about the independent voter. Let's expand some more on this issue. For this, we're going to go over to Wikipedia and look up independent voter. The independent voter. An independent voter, often also called an unaffiliated voter in the United States, is a voter who does not align themselves with a political party. An independent is variously defined as a voter who votes for candidates on issues rather than the basis of a political ideology or partnership. A voter who does not have long-standing loyalty to or identification with a political party a voter who does not usually vote for the same political party from election to election, or 
a voter who self-describes as an independent. There are several synonyms for the term independent voter. In the U.S. state of Massachusetts, a registered voter who chooses not to enroll in a political party or designation is termed unenrolled. In the U.S. state of Florida, a registered voter who chooses not to affiliate with a political party is termed no party affiliation, an NPA. The definition of an independent voter is controversial and fraught with implications. The earliest concept of independence is of a person whose political choices by definition were made based on issues and candidates due to lack of party affiliation. Furthermore, early studies of voting behavior conclusively demonstrates that self-identified independent voters are less interested in specific elections than partisan voters, poorly informed about issues and candidates, and less active politically. However, a contrary view emerged. The independent usually voted on the basis of deeply ingrained beliefs, attitudes, and loyalties, and is more like the strongly partisan voter than any other voter. By the 1960s, scholars attempted to define the independent based on behavior rather than party identification or loyalty. Focusing on ticket splinters, these studies depicted an independent voter who had the same level of political interest as strong partisans and who voted largely based on the issues with which they strongly agreed and or disagreed. However, by focusing on voting behavior, this definition of the independent ignored non-voters. Critics claim that the independent voter is merely a subset of the larger set of the independents, which should also include non-voters. Studies also found that voting and non-voting in deeply affected by the particular candidate running in an election. Voting, therefore, is more reflective of what candidate is running and, therefore, a poor measure of partisanship. More recently, scholars focused on self-identification as a good measure of a person's political independence. The value of self-identification as a measure of a person's political independence or partisanship is that it is seen as a proxy for the behavior which should be exhibited by the independent voter. Additionally, self-identification could be easily captured either with nominal question do you self-identify with an existing political party? A question which is answered with a yes or a no. Or by a structured question. Generally speaking, do you consider yourself a Democrat, a Republican, an Independent, or what? The first analysis of this measure of political independence found 
that there were significant differences between those individuals who self-identified as independent and those who listed no preference as to party identification. Individuals who expressed no preference usually exhibited low levels of interest in politics, low level of knowledge about the candidates and issues, low frequency of voting, and less confidence in their ability to influence politics. Although some scholars continue to conclude that self-description is the best measure of partisanship or independence, a number of studies have found debilitating problems with this measure. The nature of the voter registration system and the appearance of the ballot, the way the question reinforces an undimensional interpretation of the political arena, the measure's failure to function in a multi-party political system, the measure's confusion of the theoretical relationship between partisanship and the intent to vote, question wording errors which confuse a social group with a political party, failure to predict policy versus candidate, preferences, question order, and failure to measure partisanship accurately when there are sizable differences in party size all confound accurate measurement of partisanship and independence using this measure. Even the nature of a survey instrument as a measure of partisanship and independence has been called into question. Partisan influence. Too many scholars, independence seemed the flip side of partisanship. Identifying the variables which are significant in creating partisanship would, therefore, identify the variables which are significant in creating political independence. Subsequently, a very large body of scholarship has emerged which has attempted to analyze partisanship. Parents appear to be a primary source of political socialization and partisanship. Much of the theoretical basis for this hypothesis emerged from the fields of child psychology and social learning, which studied the ways in which children are socialized and values incalculated in them. Studies of political partisanship have found that partisanship is strongest when both parents have the same political loyalties. These loyalties are strong. Both parents have similarly strong party loyalties and parental partisanship accords with socioeconomic status. For example, the wealthy are Republicans and the poor are labor supporters. Social groups are another source of partisanship. Friends, relatives, and neighbors often have the same partisan loyalties and strengths as one's parents. The more homogenous the social group, the more likely the individual will be to develop strong partisan loyalties. 
when social group homogenous is low, the individual is likely to be less strongly socialized in partisan politics and more likely to seek a different party loyalty. Whether by disengaging from partisanship or switching partisan loyalties. Life cycle and generational effects also contribute to partisanship. Initially, studies indicated that the operative value was the life cycle. That is, a person's partisan attachments naturally grew stronger over time as weak socialization became strong and strong socialization became stronger. Additionally, theorists suggest that older voters favored certain policy preferences such as strong government pensions and old age health insurance, which led them to strongly favor one party over another. Later studies showed that the initial strong effect of the life cycle veritable was mitigated by generational effect. Party identification seems strongly affected by certain formative generational events such as the Civil War, the Great Depression, or the social upheaval of the 1960s. Several studies concluded that generational effects were distinct from life cycle effect, and that both factors were significant in creating, or not, partisanship. But if generational events affected partisanship, some scholars hypothesized that lesser political, social, and economic issues might as well. Considering that major shocks such as the Great Depression could realign or dealign partisanship. Some scholars reasoned that a series of smaller shocks over time could also dramatically influence the direction and strength of partisanship. Many scholars became convinced that partisanship was not bedrock but shifting sand important childhood events, such as becoming aware of a presidential campaign, as well as events in adulthood, such as a recession, war, or shifting racial policies, could also affect the level of partisanship. The concept of retrospective voting, in which the voter makes political judgment based on the party in power's performance over the past few years deeply influenced studies of partisanship. Applying the concept of retrospectiveness to partisanship, more recent analysis have concluded that retrospective and prospective political party success play a significant role in the direction and strength of partisanship. Both repeated minor shocks and retrospective prospective assessments of the political party success are micro-level rather than macro-level variables. That is, while very important in creating political independence, they affect individuals only. 
For example, John may come to believe that party A is no longer effective and become an independent. Yet, Mary may come to conclude that party A is still effective. Both voters see the same successes and failures, but their retrospective and prospective calculus of success varies. This has led some scholars to conclude that independence is not the flip side of partisanship. Rather, partisanship and political independence may be two distinct variables, each of which must be measured separately and using different theoretical constructs. Other scholars have concluded that the casual direction of partisanship must be questioned. While it has long been assumed that partisanship and the strength of partisanship drive attitudes on issues, these scholars conclude that the casual relationship is reversed. The increase of independent voters Using the self-identification method of measuring political independence, surveys found an increasing number of independent voters beginning in 1966. In 1952, when modern polling on the issue began, the number of independent voters nationwide was 22%. By 1976, the number has risen more than half to 36% of the electorate. Regionally, the rise of the independent voter was even more apparent. In the non-deep South, the number of independent voters had risen from 22% to 37%. But in the deep South, the number of independents rose steeply from 14% in 1952 to 32% in 1976, and would rise even further to 35% by 1984. Although the number of self-identified independents has fallen slightly in the 1990s and 2000s, about 30% of American voters still say they are independents as measured by self-identification. But by other measures, the number of independents has not increased at all. So we can see here, the independent voter shifts quite often, but it has a major outcome in all elections. The more independent focus we get in our voters, and our parties, the better our world will become. We need to see a lot more independent voters, independent thinking. That's going to wrap it up for this episode of Free Circle Freedoms. Thank you for listening. Please share, like, and subscribe, and join us right here next week for the next episode of Free Circle Freedoms. I'm Ed Waters, your host. Out.